Hey guys, welcome back to another ABA one-on-one. This is going to be a really good one. Uh, we're actually chatting with the, uh, the, the, the coolest guy in the world that signed uh, Michael Jordan tonight. <laughs> this is going to be great. I want to know, uh, we're going to be asking 101 questions and hopefully we can get through them. Like, you know, was the deal inspired by, uh, the, um, the shoe deal that went wrong with Dr. J and Converse or, uh, you know, what all's behind it. And yes, I have not seen the movie air and I feel bad about that, but I am going to watch it today. And, uh, we're looking forward to talking with Sonny Vaccaro and Rick, I'm going to shoot over you, let you do intro for him. And then let's talk basketball. Go ahead, Rick. All righty, man. The honorary, it's an honor to have the legendary figure, Sonny Vaccaro. This is, this is big time for us and his amazing career. Uh, before we really get into it, I want to talk a little bit about Sonny's, about your early life, Sonny. I know you were quite a football and baseball player, but talk a little bit about your years before before shoes. Well, my years before shoes uh, were very interesting and, you know, just as good to me as what, you know, the shoe industry allowed me to be, you know, Rick. Uh, I was an athlete, uh, like all of us growing up in the 50s and 60s at a small town in Pennsylvania called Trafford. Uh, I played all the sports, as we all did, uh, from small communities. I was pretty good at what I did. I earned myself a scholarship to a school that I, you know, I never was able to play once I got the scholarship because I got injured, you know, in my freshman year. But anyway, that's another story. And, you know, it, it, was, just, uh, it was just a reflection of what the times were. I was, uh, I was born, you know, when the war was just starting, uh, World War II, you know, my whole family was involved in it, and I grew up in, in that atmosphere in a, you know, a very dynamic little town for only having four or five thousand people. And we had most of the, you know, the immigrants coming on the East Coast. Uh, we had most of the, you know, the Italians, the Serbians, the Polish, blacks, whites, greens, everything, you know, would because of the, the work that was done, the steel mills and the coal mines and the railroad, there were jobs and the, the war was going on. And. You know, so I grew up in that, and I I was a pretty fair athlete at my time. Uh, so and it it took me on a journey. Uh, it took me a lot of years to get to Nike. So I had a lot of good experiences getting me there. And uh, you know, but nothing was nothing was more important to me than the minute I was in in my life. I never knew what tomorrow was going to bring. No one ever promised me tomorrow when I was a child. I had great parents uh, and good family and a, a good community to grow up in. So. But basically, my life, uh, and you know, maybe we should go right before CJ gets on and say, this was only three and a half months of my life was that movie you're probably going to talk about. That that wasn't. Uh, I'm 83, so it was three and a half months on what we did to get Jordan. So, but all my life leading up to that, being at Nike, was I never applied for a job at Nike. I went to ask him to do some things for the Dapper Dan Round Ball Classic. Rick, as you remember, to give me Absolutely. shoes and maybe donate some money to the charity. So I want to I want to stop there and go to another question because we're we're on a time limit and I hate time limits. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that, that's 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 very very interesting. Uh, I guess one of the most revealing questions or whatnot. How did you how did you end up at Nike? Because after you you're, you left school and whatnot, I know you were at Wichita in grad school mm -hmm. and. Uh, after you left but, there, what what possessed you? How did you end up at Nike in, in Beaverton, Oregon? Well, you know, I was Wichita grad school. I uh, actually, 
because I, I started getting involved in basketball and going to you know, preempting what AAU is today. I started picking up kids in the Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania area and taking them on tournaments around, you know, around the, the eastern part of America. And there, there were great ones then. It was, it was a precursor to you know, what, what they have the summertime in Vegas and all that now. But we were 100 years ahead of them. And I started recruiting players to go to Youngstown. They kept me on scholarship. I got injured at Youngstown State University. I never played it down, and they kept me on a four-year scholarship. That scholarship took me to helping them get the first two kids I recruited are in the Hall of Fame now at Youngstown State, a kid named Red Jones and David Culliver. Uh, So I had a knack for that. Ralph Miller liked what I was doing. Lanny Van Eman, a friend of both of ours, was the assistant at Wichita. Uh, Ralph offered me a graduate scholarship. I stayed at his guest, guest home at that time in Wichita. I was there when Stallworth scored the points and beat Cincinnati. I was behind the bench. So I had I had the greatest entree to basketball. Now, I'm still not 21 or 22 years old when I did all this. Um, when I graduated from college, my friends, my two friends in high school, and I drove to my first love other than you know my family to Las Vegas, Nevada, across the country. And because I wanted to play poker at the Dunes Hotel in 19, you know, when the heck that was, you know, 62. So we drove there. And that was my first venture into Las Vegas. I just got out of college and uh, I fell in love with the town. And just for the record, I loved to play poker. And I went to spend a lot of my life in Las Vegas. My wife and I got married in Caesars Palace. Taking me now, I'm back home. I'm getting an automobile accident. I can't go back to Wichita to get my graduate degree. So I... I started, you know, thinking in my mind and I thought of an all-star game. And I only thought of an all-star game because when we used to go to Sharon and East Liverpool and all the tournaments on the East Coast and would be competitive, I saw my own eyes that football wasn't the only sport played. We had a lot of great basketball players in the Western Pennsylvania area. And I went to a friend of mine named Pat DeCesar, who was my neighbor, who uh, went to Youngstown with me, who grew up to be... Uh, I'm one of the biggest uh, rock and roll promoters in the country for 50 years. So he knew what he was doing. He knew the the arena thing and I knew players. I invented, I, I told Pat, let's do a game called the Dapper Dan Rombaugh Classic. Started in 1964-65. We sold the game up and my life started. From that, it took me to opening up a camp in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania, where I had all the high school kids from the area. George Carl was one of my, you know, that class was one of my first classes. You all know Jordan and a lot of other kids that went on and played major. I then, one day at that camp, a young guy came up to me and said the famous words, Mr. Carr, I got a question for you. I'll call him Charlie because I don't remember his name or anything. So I'll say Charlie. I said, Charlie, what can I do for you? He said, Mr. Carroll, you know, can you can you tell people that you know, why don't they make tennis shoes that you can wear other than just playing you know basketball on them? They call them tennis shoes, not basketball shoes. So, you know, can, so maybe you can wear them to to school, or you can wear them to. What he told me at that time, it clicked in my mind that he was poor because in the western part of the United States, you wore you wore tennis shoes all year. Whether and in the winter time, there was things called clod hoppers, which were leather shoes up to your ankles and you had to, you know, the, the leather typed around you because of the snow and the rain and all that. I never forgot Charlie. So that state of my mind, I was still, I was doing good. I was representing players. I actually did George Gervin's contract 
you know, I quit teaching. I quit coaching. I sold the ABC or I sold the big time. I'm sorry, the big 10 cap. That's what we call it to a group of football people. And I went to Nike because they were a brand new company and friends of mine, Louis Chaffel and Jerry Davis, who represented a lot of you know, NBA and ABA players at that time, you know, introduced me because I asked him to introduce a new shoe company. I have an idea. I flew to Oregon. I paid for my own ticket. They put me up. I went out there asking them to evaluate nine pair of shoes that my Italian shoemaker made for me in Trafford. And I had nothing to do with making the shoes. It was just an idea I had. He, he created nine different things. I went out there. I spent the day with them. And, you know, they, I, they never gave me the shoes back. They never took a shoe. But I, they asked me before I left, how can we get involved in basketball? I told them to visit the Dapper Dan. This is 1977 or 76, I believe. Rob Strasser, uh, who was my immediate boss and Phil Knight, you know, sent me back and I and Rob come to a game that game Albert King and uh, and uh, you know Magic Johnson and Eugene Banks that was the year one of the greatest you know high school teams of all time classes and there was 17,900 people in the seats because they enlarged the Civic Arena and I was on my way with Nike that's what got me in the Nike to sell the shoe or to give the shoes away for nothing so the players could have them on their feet so we could sell shoes because they never had a basketball team in the NCAA tournament or one team wears shoe. They had running shoes. So from 77 to 84, I was, I was doing nothing but getting every school in. And by that time, we had 84 teams in, three national championships, going on a fourth. We all four teams in, in uh, Lexington, I believe it was, or Louisville, uh, with Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, and Memphis. So that brought you up to date why I was with Nike why I got asked to go, you know, have a, an opinion on who they should sign. And they had all these guys who were all the, you know, really good guys. But I said that day in my life, I have no idea why. Give it to the kid, the kid who, the kid in North Carolina, Michael Jordan. So that brings you up to date on my Nike days. And that's where we are. And go from there, Rick and CJ. And that's that's incredible. Uh, wow. Let me ask you this, Sonny. Where, where do you think, where do you feel your ability? And obviously it's quite an extraordinary thing to connect with these athletes. Because you obviously got an unbelievable connection with these athletes to get these guys to come and do the things that they're doing for you, you for know, the sport. CJ, I, I, th 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 that's, that's not a, that's a given thing in life. I, I, don't, I, I, I couldn't shoot a basketball or kick a football or, you know, do any of these things. I certainly, I wasn't a scout. I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't, that wasn't what I was going to do. I mean, I, I didn't ever think that would be all my life. There's an innate ability, I believe in all of us, that there's something inside that mind that you excel in and can't explain. I mean, uh, most things are explained. You grow up to do something, the school you went, but, you know, and you graduate a uh, engineering degree or a teacher's degree or do whatever. I mean, so I, I can't tell you, but every kid along the way, and, and not just the, you know, the Michaels. I mean, I, I never saw a Michael Jordan player. I never met him in my life until I met him with Tony Romo's. He didn't, he didn't, they didn't have Nike on. I didn't give a damn about Dean Smith. And Michael Jordan wasn't good enough in high school to make the, the round ball classic. He, you know, 
Peterson was the best player on. He was the first recruited. There was another kid in, in the state who was a, signed before Michael. He went to you know a, a camp, uh, Garfinkel's camp, and he looked good. And Garfinkel convinced him. The McDonald's had twenty five spots in their, in their All Star game because that's a they bring in you know fifteen or you know for each team, and he made it. But I didn't know Michael. It was the it was the <laughs> shot, the shot. I just remember the shot. Eighteen seconds left. I never saw him again. But when it came time to get my job on somebody, I didn't pick Charles Barkley or Kim Olajuwon or John Stockton. I mean, hell, there are four or five guys. Sam Perkins in the Hall of Fame, too. He was on that team, too. Yeah. Uh, were you talking about Buzz Peterson? Yeah, he was He was rated way ahead of uh, Michael Jordan. That's amazing. Yeah. We <laughs> had true. him on, Sonny. Yeah, Buzz, we had him on. Twice. Buzz is the closest friend Michael has, and he was – Higher rated, he'll tell you that. Yeah, we we had a good chat with him. He's he's a great guy. Wow, man, you, you you're just blowing me away. Uh, go ahead, Rick. I'll let you jump. In <laughs> well, you know, but again, something that really is of interest to me because I was I kind of was in that era as well, the '80s, '70s, and '80s. Is that these high school, the Diaper Dan, the and then when you went to Adidas, it was the ABCD. Am I correct? ABCD, yes. That I I started the camp. There, I actually started at Nike, and then they, Nike fired me, and I took, I owned the camp, so I took it with me to Adidas, and and the, and the world started knowing. Then, because I, I was the only one with Nike. Then, when they fired me, we were that competitive, and we kicked their ass for as long as I was in it. I mean, ABCD camp was the greatest camp ever put on, amateur camp, for the all the years that we did it. There's no question about it. All you have to do is go see the rosters, you know. So I don't want to get into that, but if you were invited to ABCD, you were pretty damn good. Yep, I want to also encourage all of our listeners, both in Australia and the United States, to definitely go check out those rosters of these some of these kids that that came through. And then, you know, as far as reimbursing the kid, I know I think you were probably doing the LIL before before well, the LIL. No, the NIL. It was not, I never paid anybody. What I did was pay their expenses to these camps and to the All Star Games. But I I would have given the money to the to, to the college players, but uh, you know there was that rule, and that's why I, say, I have always said my whole life I'd rather give the money to the high school players, but I have to give it to the college guys because they are the ones that the public is watching on television, or they were good. But in the seventies, there wasn't everybody watching the NBA and you know uh, and the NCAA tournament. There were only sixteen teams in the early nine, you know, the fifties and sixties in the tournament. No, my idea always was that the most misled people in the world were the people running the NCAA. That's a story for another minute or two when you got time for it, but you don't have time for it. They're the most illegal operation in country. And they're still doing that way. And they still don't know what the hell they're doing. Even after they lost it to Supreme court, they're, they're worse now than they were if they had to give money to the kids in 65. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they was, um, that's definitely a big point of contention, right? Even today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that is amazing to me, but, uh, yeah, you, you, this, this whole career though, Sonny is just, to me, it's just amazing because being a basketball guy that I am, um, let's switch over this a little bit and talk a little bit about the movie. Um, I strongly endorse this movie. I, I've seen it twice and, uh, Sonny and I talked about it on the radio the other day. I'm on the radio on the telephone when we were talking about having him on the show. 
And some of the scenes in that show is, is incredible with Michael Jordan and, and the different players. Uh, and how, how that whole thing transpired to get Michael to sign. And, you know, you were doing, I think you said it was three players they wanted to sign. You said you just signed one, the same price of three. Right. Is that right? No, give all the money. Yeah, they had, yeah, give him the three. We had a budget and at Nike at that time, if you remember the opening and if anybody's going to watch it again or for the first time, Nike wasn't doing well. The only, the only thing that was doing well at Nike was the college program because we had all those teams and, you know, everything was on television. We were winning national championships. They certainly who Nike was at that time. When I first went there, I called it Nike. I mean, that's no one in the East knew what the hell <laughs> Nike was or Nike. So the story, the transfer is it's three and a half months of my life and Michael's life. When when Rob Strasser, who's in the movie, obviously, was my boss, when Rob Strasser gave the the order and Phil Knight signed all the OKs on everything, obviously, to you know go go save the country the company everyone there in that meeting there were five other people and they wanted to um they wanted to split the money up and cover their you know whole card and all that stuff and i remember as close as i get to remember 40 years ago uh it's been repeated by other people so i'm pretty sure this is what i said you've you've had good players they had moses malone they had uh, george gervin they had guys in the shoe they were paying him thirty-five, fifty thousand. I think Moses got a hundred. That was the most anybody got in the seventies and early eighties. Your shoe contract. So, all those things being said, and what come on my mouth, and and on a personal level, I I knew George and Moses. Moses was the most valuable player in the Dapperdan game, and George, I did his contract, so I knew both of these people. So it wasn't negative against them. What it was was, it was a failure. They didn't sell any shoes or they wouldn't have been having this meeting. I said, what the hell's the use of doing? I said, the guys are good. They'll play good. They'll make an all-star team. They'll do all that sort of stuff. But you got to move the needle. And and for whatever reason, psychologically, I stuck with, you know, saying Jordan since I never met him. And once I knew I was doing this movie, uh, Pam and I were in L.A. and our doctors are still there. And I went and I saw it wasn't a psychiatrist. I want to tell your audience. I have to do this. All <laughs> but uh uh, you know, after I got my physical, and um, and I asked him a question that never occurred to me. And I, but now my mind's thinking about it. That, you know, I'm going to be. They're going to do this movie. I better know why in the hell. So I asked him, Doc. Uh, you know, Jones, whatever his name was. He said, "What happens to you when you, you know, take a picture with somebody, or you meet somebody a long time ago, or a short time ago, but then you never think of him again? Then all of a sudden, his name pops up." Still don't see him because I never saw Michael at that time. I said, and all of a sudden, someone asked you a question relative to that subject. Now, I'm, I'm trying to paint it out here. That subject was picking a player out of 24 other, other players. The subject was you want to spend 500000 or $250,000 on one player or three players. So mentally, I had to give an answer, and I had to give it in like five seconds. And out of my mouth, I said, give it to the kid. What kid? The kid from North Carolina. Who? Michael Jordan. So when I said that to the doctor, he said very simply, and then we went on our conversation. This couldn't have lasted 30 seconds to a minute, this little conversation. But it helped me at least satisfy my mind of what happened in my mind that, that day. Is what there are things your mind remembers that they'll never forget, but they need, you got to turn the switch on. 
And the switch was, who was the best basketball player I ever saw and who would excite me again? Well, he didn't excite me, but he moved my mind. I hated him. I was pissed off. Georgetown lost. I was there because we wanted Georgetown to win another national championship and sell more shoes. Patrick Ewing played my game. Four guys in the Georgetown team played. I knew John was my best friend at that time. So I had nothing to gain by saying give it to the kid. But that shot never left my mind. And when you watch it on tape in the movie, then you're going to see. Now, I didn't see the movie. That was brilliant directing and brilliant acting by Matt and, and Ben directed. When the writer created the scene, he created using the actual film of the last 18 seconds. I didn't know that Worthy cleared out. I didn't know that Michael was waving for the damn ball. All I knew, he caught the damn ball. There was 18 seconds to go. He didn't take a second to shoot the ball. That's what I remember. I'm pissed off now. I see that. <laughs> we, we lose. <laughs> well, that's the truth. So, so that, that's how that happened. That's why this movie is more than the movie... You know, uh, and I know you guys are going to ask another question regarding the movie. What what you got to understand here in my life, if I may, uh, CJ, uh, I Michael Jordan to me, I'm I'm old school. I don't believe it's humanly possible for someone to pick a goat. That's the key word the last three, four, or five years. Goat, greatest of all time. That's BS. Because if you lived in all the eras of, let's just stay with basketball. Well, who the hell could have been? better than Will Chamberlain, okay? Exactly. Who could have been better the same than, thing. Yeah, yeah, who could have been better than Bill Russell? Who could have been better than Michael in that time? Who could have been better than who, what LeBron's been doing? I mean, well, that's, and what about this kid coming, you know, over from France, I mean, Victor? I mean, well, it's impossible, you know, this guy. So you measure them like Brady. I mean, you some guys stand up. Messi stands out. There's always a stand up. But you know how different the games are today than they were then? I mean, do you understand? I don't think Wilk can dunk in the 1950s. I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. I mean, Russell elected not to shoot. He just elected to beat your butt. I mean, everyone has a logical thing. You know, LeBron James is playing against the clock and he's winning. I mean, these are things that are unbelievable. So you, I can't believe you can pick an individual. So... But what Michael Jordan's the goat off, he's the goat opening a business side of an athlete that no one ever did before. And I believe, and I'll go on this show saying it, if we would not have picked Michael, if he'd have gone with Adidas or or you know anybody else, or if he would have gone with with the the Nike of old and just become a, a, a paid uh, consultant like Moses, Moses was a great player. George, they're both in the Hall of Fame. It wasn't like Nike picked bad players. They picked players that didn't, you don't remember. I mean, they all had their, you know, their their ability, you know, and George, like, slided off and Moses dunking on your nose. All that stuff is true. But Mike was something different. Then he created a thing called, you know, charisma without being, without being, like, social. Charisma is something that Someone attacks you, attach yourself to an individual, and he's charismatic. What the hell is charismatic? That means you're attracted to him. You don't know him. Uh, you're not, you know, you know, dating him. He's not in your family. There's something about him that, or her that you want to see again. 
or when you watch them in a movie, you want to watch the movie again. That's what a, a singer does. That's what an actor does. That's what entertainers do. Go across the board, gentlemen and audience. I mean, look, look what's happening in this world. Look at Australia. I mean, Australia is, you know, I only knew for the, you know, the, the logic, the indigenous people and all these things in my well, growing up, I didn't know anything about Australia. Australia is like this, you know, this, this boom world, you know, athletically and, you know, uh, you know, and acting and all these things that have happened. And, and, it, and it's happening now because look at the people that are leading the thing. There, there's, there's something special about them, the acting world, I mean, all the things that you have. And, you know, and, and I, I just admire what's happening all over Europe. But also, if you go back to, you know, basketball in, in, in the 50s and before that, well, blacks weren't even allowed on. They counted everybody before they let you on. Colleges, they made you go to the black century colleges as opposed to going to Duke or North Carolina. I mean, it's all bullshit. I mean, everybody, everybody limited everybody back then. And then, then the world started to change a little bit for the better, finally, and then it unchanged again. But my point, my point I'm making, the charismatic part of an individual is why I think we become attached. There's 20,000 great singers, 50,000 great this, all these things, but there's only a few that separate them. You know, guys go on tour and they sell out arenas and, you know, they act and they go off Broadway, on Broadway. Some people can write their rear ends off. And then some people paint, paint a picture called the Mona Lisa. She may be the, the, if you talk about the most beautiful woman in the world, I don't know if she'd compete in a real beauty contest, but goddamn, she's beautiful, isn't she? That's, that's a charismatic feeling we all get. I know I went off a little bit on what, what you're trying, what you asked me, but I'm saying Jordan opened up marketing and what he, what he did, he did more for specifically the black athlete and the black consumer in a sporting venue by what? Putting his foot and his name in a shoe. Agreed. You can't run away from it. Agreed, agreed. Dolores, Dolores and Viola Davis, if she doesn't get an award, they're all crazy. I mean, I think all these people <laughs> have brilliant, but she is. But when she said, you're going to see that, Michael's gone, his grandchildren are gone, we'll all be gone. We'll be dust, okay? That shoe will still be, that shoe will still be, it'll be Jordan 2099, 2000, 3000. <laughs> you, you remember that song, guys? You're both all like, 25, 25, if we're still alive. Remember that song? I think. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Jordan, um, Jordan uh, will be there for, forever. Go ahead, uh, ask me another question. We're running out of awesome. time. Go ahead. Uh, now, Sonny, we're going to have to shut it up right getting kind of close on time. I wouldn't want you to have to, to rush through a question, but man, you have, um, I think. Knocked uh, it out of the park. He knocked it out of the park. Yeah, you, you you definitely knocked it out of the park. Like um, everyone, this is like, this is going to be like the, uh, the. I think this is going to be a really uh, most played video of uh, a show in a while because you tell it like it is. And I really enjoyed that. Really, really. We're definitely gonna have to get you back on and do a part two. Yeah, sure. okay. this was. This I, was uh, I wonder. Let, let me let me let me give a shout out. Okay, um, you know, Chase Buford is R.C. Buford's son who runs the you know, the the guys down in San Antonio. He is the coach of the Sydney Kings. They won the championship over there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Bill and Barb Barter, Barter uh, and their son Sam 
uh, Barkey, our personal friends, right? They live in Australia. Sam's a brilliant young man. Vaughn Prosser and his parents, Jess and Julian. I say this. Vaughn played on that junior uh, that they have the junior 18 and unders and all that. He's very, very good. And he's going to got a scholarship to uh, school in uh, Georgia this year. They're, they're personal friends. RC and I go back 30 years and uh, ch uh, Chase, the son, actually stayed with Pam and I. And my wife's known Barbie for 50 years. So wow. we have connection. We have connections there. And I want to tell you, I've enjoyed this. You let me just talk and I hope it went well with your, with your fans and your, and your sponsors and that. And you know what? If you don't bring me back and just let me talk, you, you guys better get one or two questions. Just let me talk. And and, Sonny. and, and, and Sonny. what? Go ahead. So let me let me just say something. It's ironic you said that about San Antonio. You tonight is the NBA draft, and they're taking the guy, the number one pick. That yeah. may have already taken place. Okay. Drafted tonight. All well, right. I, Hey Rick, I, we are gonna have to close it up, brother, because we don't want it to we don't I don't want it to, time to run out on anybody. But okay. All right. But Sonny, I'm looking Sonny. forward to re I'm so, looking forward to return match here, okay? Don't worry, Sonny. Hey, I got you on the Sonny. list. I got you on right, the God list, bless. man. God bless you, brother. Sonny, thank you are you, you are off the chain, man. I'm looking forward well, to having you back again. <laughs> really appreciate I, it. Have a good weekend. You, you too. Enjoy. Everybody Be have safe. a good weekend. Be safe. Thank All right, you. guys, Thank thanks you. for tuning in to ABA 101. We out of here. Peace. <laughs> All right.